my petition to the court is only to ask the government and the reserve bank to frame a policy a national policy for such ideal wealth being kept in different parts of india tirupati has a huge lot in a way that it will be safe but also will become a source of income for the temple and a source of funds for national development can we not increase our income by 5 lakhs through quasi qcbs quasi currency bonds and use that money in core sector projects to build up employment opportunities quickly we have around 25000 to 30000 tons of gold in the country in the hands of of course rba 687 tons different old families royal families private citizens of which only about 1500 tons are now in this active economic stream through gold loans with banks or nbfcs the rest is practically ideal my dear friends this idea came up of quasi currency bonds came up during 2011 when the matter of the patrava swami treasures were brought before the supreme court there is very much a danger of the decision going in favor of the elected government and then year after year different people will come to power who may not be committed to the protection of that wealth and it can be misused there can be a lot of law and order issues also so i thought of a way to preserve that wealth at the same time bring its value into the national economy and give a return to the temple the temple according to my plans will get an annual income of around 3000 crores which it can use for the maintenance of its facilities its buildings give us grants to other smaller temples which do not have the resources to keep themselves in good repair run social institutions like feeding the poor no taking care of widows all that so a case is filed up a rather filed a petition in the supreme court it was admitted in 2011 now it is one of the two i am glad to say it is one of the two main issues that are taken up by the supreme court for final decision the other being the question of who is the ruler i have been working on this idea for about 7 8 years now trying to get the ministry of finance rbi political leaders everybody interested everybody said the idea is good in fact when i talked to the central minister directly in charge of the topic he said it is good but who will build the cat that is his answer it is good everybody is afraid to touch the topic because it is very sensitive anyway the supreme court will take its course let this decision come my petition to the court is only to ask the government and the reserve bank to frame a policy a national policy for such ideal wealth being kept in different parts of india tirupati has a huge lot in a way that it will be safe but also will become a source of income for the temple and a source of funds for national development subsequently 
the idea has evolved into a, a plan for the government to raise funds through the annual budgets instead of deficit financing, which has its costs and risks. Some of my friends organized a workshop in Trivandrum in May 2018. And the, my presentation to them lasted about 45 minutes, but the question and answer session went on for two hours and 15 minutes. Just a small gathering, just a former ambassador, former high court judge, and very, all very educated people. One question asked was this, why cannot the government do it on its own? So that idea was developed and I've just come to the, the suggestion for the government to introduce quasi-currency bonds to finance its budget deficits. I, I'll take you through it step by step. I must thank Sweden Foundation. I must acknowledge the immense support and inputs of Honorable Justice K. Sukumaran, who represented me in the High Court, uh, in the Supreme Court. And uh, Sadish Dutt, Dr. Chandra Mohan, and other classmates, they organized the workshop. Ambassador Srinivasan and the CMNIR of KSC and the Indian Society of Authors, they all supported it. Now, we have a very peculiar situation in the economy. We have a very good growth rate compared to the other countries. 5% is not bad. Yet, considering that we have a lot of catching up to do with developed countries, we need to grow at greater than 5%, 8% or even 10%, we should target. At the same time, GDP growth rate is not an absolute indicator of economic well-being. Well -being. Those real indicators are unemployment rate, per capita availability of food for the lowest quarter of the people. In that, we are now stagnating, or perhaps even slightly growing back. Unemployment rate, rate is rising. And consequently, a lot of the most economically disadvantaged people are suffering deprivations in food, even. Roti, kapda, makan, patai. Let us add one more word to roti, kapda, makan. Patai also is important. In all these, people are struggling. Family debt burden is increasing. We need to reduce unemployment. We need to invest in infrastructure projects massively to do that quickly. For that, we need to boost revenue, then regain GDP growth rate. My proposition is a quick and easy way to satisfy all three. As we have said before, just the, the, the projects that we need to undertake to generate employment and generate revenue, the funds have to be, I mean, they have to be funded by government allocation or massive inflow from private sector, domestic and external, both as debt and as equity. Government allocation, as we know, is insufficient. Last year's budget has our rather current year's budget has a deficit of around 7 lakh crores, which is met by market borrowings. Now, altering terms to improve private sector inflows from overseas is risky in the long run. There are political costs to pay, there are financial costs to pay. Ultimately, it can be very 
and dangerous. These are rough numbers for the 1920 budget. Revenue income is 16.5, non-tax revenue 3.1, capital income 1.2 lakh crores. Total expenditure is 27.86. The deficit, there is a deficit of 7.04 lakh crores. Now I'm suggesting, can we not increase our income by 5 lakhs through QCBs, quasi-currency bonds, and use that money in core sector projects to build up employment opportunities quickly? One can be rural roads. Another quick employment raiser can be in agricultural projects, irrigation projects. We'll come to that one by one. How can we do this? That is, raise additional funds. One was, as I said in the beginning, the idea of monetizing ideal wealth, as remains in Padmaswami Temple. They have one lakh thirty crore, thirty thousand crore rupees worth of gold there, gold and diamonds and other things there. Rather, the diamonds have not been valued. Tirupati has a larger a treasure worth much more, though people may not admit it, one person who, who actually saw it in an underground cellar, from what he described, I think it must be worth around three times that Travancore Temple has. And we have around 25,000 to 30,000 tons of gold in the country, in the hands of, of course, RBA, 687 tons different old families, royal families, private citizens, of which only about 1,500 tons are now in this active economic stream through gold loans with banks or NBFCs. The rest is practically ideal. You know, typically a person, especially ladies, might use one or two or three sovereigns of gold daily basis. There are families, most families, most well-to-do families have 50 or 100 sorrows of gold in their homes, of which, let's say, 40, 40 or 80 may be ideal. And many of those ornaments may not be worn at least once a year or for several years. So overall, there are trillions of gold, trillions of dollars of gold in the country, which are an ideal economic asset. How, do, how can we bring that into the national economic mainstream? In the case of temple assets, the target is not only to bring them into the mainstream, but to preserve them as it is, where it is, in the same ownership, without changing its use, without jeopardizing it legally, financially, physically in any way. That is a system designed for Patnavasamit Temple. The quasi currency boards can do that. Now some people ask me, why not take from churches? This is the second question I have faced. The first question is, wherever I have attempted to present this, why does a Christian uh, involved in this? I'm a Christian Hindu. 
I belong to a family which has had a 500-year-old relation with the Sri Patrav Swami Temple. We think like every citizen, every Hindu citizen of this country, we think for India. Second question is, why not take from churches? There is no taking here. It remains as it is. Instead, my suggestion is to give to certain selected temples the power to print currency of their own, which of course will be processed, executed by RBA upon directions from the government of India. We'll go through the mechanism one by one. And for common people who have eligible assets, not all assets can be brought into the system. There has to be certain norms for becoming eligible. For common people and maybe corporates who have eligible assets, we can set up a company like the Stockholder Corporation of India, where they will demonetize, or rather demand this, and produce a document which can be used for the cost currency bond. This is the question I, I told you I had to face. By the way, both these books are available on Amazon. Uh, you can download it on Kindle or on Kindle app. Free. Kindle app is free. Please read it, comment on it. Okay, now we'll come to our topic. Apart from temples, the second method, as we have mentioned, is deficit financing without causing price raise and without causing decline in external rupee value. It's a, a known fact, accepted economic theory, that deficit financing devalues the rupee to a certain extent. It causes inflation. It has a certain level of risk. Now, if deficit financing is the answer for the present economic crisis, all that the government needs to do is just add on, instead of 7, add on 14 lakhs deficit finance, take loans, that is, issue bonds and get money, and do whatever is required. Why is not the government doing it? There are things we can do. If deficit financing will answer that need, government could have done it. Government cannot do it because of inflation, devaluation of the rupee. There are external and internal financial risks because of that. So, quasi-currency bonds proposes deficit financing through targeted lending programs involving banks and NBFCs. Unlike in the conventional deficit financing program, this money that is raised through quasi-currency bonds is deployed into the market only through certain channels, certain limited channels, which will ensure that the maximum impact happens in terms of job creation and revenue creation. This, that's the last line. We do not print currency. For example, in addition to the 7 lakhs deficit budget, 7 lakh crore deficit budget, supposing we add 10 lakh crores allocated indirectly to infra projects from quasi-currency bond funds, government issues or rather prints these bonds, let us say 100 crores each, each of these bonds can be deposited in a bank 
where the government of India will be a depositor earning an interest rate of 1% or half percent or 2% as the government may fix. The banks give the, so supposing one bank has got 1,000 crore QCB deposits. It gives the, hands over the bonds to RBI. RBI credits that bank's account with that amount. This amount is not subject to CRR and SLR conditions because it does not suffer from the withdrawal risk that common current account and savings bank account monies do. Therefore, all of that money is lendable. Now, to whom can that money be lent? The government of India has to form a specific policy for that, including interest rates and security norms. We used to have this priority sector very loans very effectively some time back. Now it is still active, but not to the same extent of effectiveness as earlier. Government of India can revitalize that priority sector plan, liberalize lending to agriculture, education, science technology, R&D, irrigation development, infrastructure development, and all that. And this money can be used to finance individuals and corporates in, in engaging in these sectors. Because the government itself will not be able to achieve quick deployment of these funds to execute projects and get quick results. So I'll just read through banks lend to promoters for infra projects against security of project assets and collaterals according to policy. That is very important. The project by itself has to be sound on the basis of securities to the lending bank. The bank should take securities as being taken now. There will be primary securities, collateral securities, guarantees, whatever there is. Because the, the money is from quasi-currency bonds, funds, lending norms should not be diluted. But there is a very important change from the normal lending. Since the deposits carry only half percent or one percent or two percent interest, banks can lend it with a spread of just two or three percent and lend let's say four percent, less than five percent. For longer terms, say 20 years, 30 years. Now, the NPA level in banks for infrastructure loans is very high because the cost of funds is high comparatively compared to the period in, in which the money is expected to come back. From a road project or a bridge project or a dam project, the money might come back, the invested money might come back only about 30 years. Bank will ask the lender or borrower to repay that money fully in about 10 years time or 12 years time and at interest cost of 8 or 8.5 or 9 percent. This lending is not actually suitable for infra projects. Therefore, this particular means of lend, mode of lending in which the interest rate will be less than 5 percent and the period can be as high as 20 or 30 years as the government of India decides, that will make any infra project financially viable 
and it and this money can also be used to refinance the existing infra projects which are npa and lying incomplete tying up lakhs of crores of funds belonging to the public now quasi currency bonds are raised without cash government does not Quasi currency bond in the sense that this is currency, but it can be used only for certain limited purposes. Quasi, that is a, that's the reason why I said quasi. By Reserve Bank, on behalf of the government of India, if it is for the government's budget. On behalf of the temple, if it is for the temple, and this limited purpose is only. to open a deposit in a bank a fixed deposit or a savings bank account or whatever it has to be a fixed deposit because it cannot be operated by check now how can the projects projects worth 10 crore lakhs be funded without printing currency because the answer is because we do not need cash always most of the most of the expenditure is made through credit i have explained it here project payments to be made by made via bank transfers drawing from loan accounts now there will be a certain amount of cash payments that can be met by increasing the money supply marginally what is known as m3 you know That's all going into details. We know that the economy of around 2,500 billion dollars runs on cash worth 250 billion dollars. That's the cash reserve we have, say 10%. So we can keep adding to the cash marginally as the economy grows to meet cash needs, which will be very nominal. I told you about the interest rate banks, which are 5% or less, diminishing. owner of quasi currency bonds to receive interest for deposits ensuring suitable spread for banks coming back to the temple and rich families the interest provided for deposits will be an attraction for quasi currency bonds from select temples and from general public via central asset holding entity one of the proposals that the, the government of india brought forth to capitalize on the gold that we have is the gold bond scheme ornaments will not be accepted in the gold bond scheme they have to be converted into standard gold normally about one third of the value of an ornament will be lost when it is converted into standard gold therefore when gold bonds offer interest rates of 2% or 3% there will not be any takers i had predicted this 6 years back and the results have been so far not more than 6000 crore rupees have come into that over the past 6 or 7 years if we offer this quasi currency bonds as an investment alternative alternative to the gold bond we can raise about 10 to 15 lakh crores from those idle 25000 tons of gold 
Where does the money come from? This is something we touched on earlier. Can things be done without money? Yes, money is there. It is in the form of credit coming from RBA. Government directs RBA to give that much money as is deposited by quasi currency bonds. Money comes from RBA. Without cash deposits, that's a question. We mentioned it. Dollar two fifty billion cash serves dollar two thousand five hundred billion economy. Cash has to be printed only to meet incremental needs, say eight percent of periodic addition to GDP. RBA does not print cash, instead it prints credit, rather it prints guarantee. What makes it different from conventional deficit financing? The lending, or rather investing, and or it is lending or investing, is targeted at core sectors, according to the credit policy to be formed by government. Making available very low cost and very long term funds to private sector as well as public sector to finance projects. Government's usual deficit financing will not provide funds to the private sector, which is more active and more capable of producing results. And deficit financing, the usual one, will not be able to finance equity. It usually invariably goes into debt. Why private sector to accelerate deployment of funds via multiple projects for quick employment generation to complement public sector capacities to leverage available funds and take up commercial ventures so that impact can be maximized. Quick results, the, the, the avenues for deployment of funds raised from QCBs is one is rural roads, check dams, minor irrigation projects. These can be conceived and executed quickly. Agri-produce go-downs, cold storages, reclamation reorientation of ponds and lakes in rural areas, micro-water supply projects in rural areas, mini-micro-power projects, rural-urban low-income housing. It can be done through both government and public sector as well as private sector, utilizing from the public sector and government, utilizing the local self-help government I mean, groups, MNREGA, MNREGA. UI and Sparkle are two proposals I've given to the Government of India to tackle the issues of talent development and water shortage. The availability of water is a very important constituent in improving standard of living. We'll come to that. I'll, I'll come to that later. Longer-term projects we can do are ports and airports, highways, our own internet portals, operating system, database, search engine, security software. Even our defense equipment are actually, in a way, compromised by the source of the software, which is, say, for example, if you buy a Boeing airplane, the software is designed by them. Ultimately, they have the password and the controls. So, I've proposed to the government of India that we should have entire ecosystem, internet and data system of our own. We, have, we can raise the funds required for that through quasi-currency bonds. 
India's own totally independent defense software, telecom, via public, private, and joint sectors. Another set of long-term projects is this irrigation dams and canals, agri-produce storage processing parks, wind, sea, hydro, power generation, water desalination plants, food storage, seed production. These are all crucial areas where our agriculture sector needs support to sustain profitably and improve productivity. We know that about 30-33% of our food production is wasted due to insufficient handling and storage and processing facilities. All that can be rectified. Seed production, job parks, industrial estates, R&D, higher education, healthcare, via public, private and joint sectors. One of the important reasons for our slowness in coming out of the economic, this thing. Now, we had this demonetization, which was a very strategic and important necessity due to various reasons, which we cannot, we need not describe here. But it left a lot of hardship by removing the informal market that rural areas survived on. Now, they're all compelled to come into the GST system to prosecute their business. For the illiterate, comparatively weaker rural trader, the taxman is, a, uh, is an enemy, is somebody he is afraid of. So one of the reasons, I mean, one of the, one of the steps you have to take to, to achieve quick economic growth is to remove the fear. That's what I have addressed here. The entropy within GST and income tax systems also. If you remove that, you know, entropy is that character within a system which makes it produce less result than it is capable of. There is entropy within our income tax and GST systems. Remove ignorance of the illiterate, unfamiliarity of the small tax player, fear of all taxpayer, I mean. Transform taxman from faceless wall into helpful front. Now, does the income tax man have the time to do all that? He may not have. I have another solution. Remove entropy within the banking system. Transform banking from an avenue of profit for, a cap for capital into a profit-making national service. An extension of government's role to pool and distribute resources efficiently. Identifying good borrowers, identifying good projects at local level. Now, I have, since being a corporate consultant, I've come across this situation, even in the case of medium-scale or large-scale borrowers. In one case, if a company has a bad civil rating, all their financial transactions are pukka. They closed a loan in a nationalized bank months back, but still it is remaining on their civil record as defaulted. We send notices to civil, we send notices to the concerned bank, we send notices to uh, the ombudsman, nothing has happened so far. So much so that an, a project that they have approached the bank again for funds is hanging fire. Months and months. So, let's say 100 employment opportunities are being deferred till the civil record comes right. That is one aspect. Another aspect is that it's institutional. Uh, how to solve that is an issue. Uh, because 
of so many loans becoming NPAs and government initiating stringent action against the officers concerned, people are not afraid to take up loans. One man said, I don't need to do anything, I'll get my salary. It is better for me not to do anything. So these kind of entropies have to be removed to accelerate employment. Employ to accelerate projects which generate employment. So it's not only in the case of the bank employee that the entropy rests. It also rests with the borrowers who may not be familiar with the banking procedures, who may not know how to apply for a bank loan in the rural areas where we need more initiative in economic development. Another method for, uh, another, another direction for reducing entropy is reducing NPAs. As and when a borrower enterprise shows signs of impending sickness, incipient sickness, there may be another bigger enterprise in the same, same sector who will be interested in buying this up and the salary, the, the, the uh, NPA borrower himself might be interested in selling out. Banks do not have a system of connecting the two whereby business will grow, bank will be better off by avoiding an NPA. There has to be a national system for that. Either the IBA or the finance department or RBA has to think of that. QECBs can finance all these transformations by providing funds which are low cost and long term. Now, the two transformations that I spoke of through the UVA and Sparkle programs. One is water, about water availability, one is about youth development. My suggestion to the government is to recruit young men immediately after college or plus two, give them training using retired military people and other services people in personality development, physical health conditions, conditioning, in interacting with others, understanding national issues, helping rural people overcome that. The model I have in mind is, or rather what made me think of it is the Peace Corps movement initiated by President Kennedy in 1961 or 62. What they did was to send out teams of two or three or four people to villages in third world countries uh, for rural development, that was what they said. They had other intentions there. Theirs was, you know, a political manipulation, control, spying. There will be so many objectives. So let us forget all that. But we can use that as a model. Send these people, youngsters, between the ages of 18 to 25, to rural areas. So we can think of recruiting 2 million of them. Because so much... So much uh, candidates are available. Sometime back, there was a study by the CII and the Ministry of uh, HRD, which identified that. I'm sad to say, 75% of all graduates are unemployable. Maybe you're all familiar with that. And 85% of all engineering graduates are also unemployable. Even when there is subject knowledge, there's a lot of other deficiencies which make them 
unemployable. These deficiencies have to be addressed if the nation is to prosper. And this UA program can bring all of them together who have not already been appointed into the government service or not been appointed into a bank or in a teaching job. There will be lakhs and lakhs of them produced each year. We know about uh, 20 million people come out of the educational system every year and enter the job market. And many of them do not find employment for lack of opportunity as well as for lack of quality. Group them all together, send them out as, I mean, give them training, send them out into the rural areas where they will grow up, they will benefit. And the rural areas where they serve, they will be, we, they can advise the, the people there in improving agriculture, dealing with banks, dealing with the tax people, uh, in primary education. There are so many avenues they can interact. They can also be provided refresher trainings, maybe two weeks every six months or things like that, all to be carefully planned out. These people will be transformed into competent adults who will contribute positively to the national well-being. And one of them can influence 10 of their friends. Each one can influence 10 of their friends. The whole country will benefit. This can be a revolution, a non-violent model of the uh, Mao Zedong introduced the program in the mid-60s, the Revolutionary Guards or something like that. And uh, they, they, they did a lot of things for China, which is directly harmful. But it shook China up out of a lethargy into, I think there's a starting point of their movement into the uh, 21st century. But ours will be, ours can be very peaceful, enlightened version of that. Sparkle, I think, is an idea that is now being Im implemented by the Arses through the one well, one temple, one burial ground program. My suggestion was to <coughs> clean up all village ponds, make their, uh, or rather increase or augment their storage capacity by providing uh, PVC lining, minimize evaporation loss by, by uh, greenery around, by using water hyacinth, even polythene covering, that is one aspect. A second aspect was, modify the user pattern. I've seen, actually I've seen a pond, a large pond in which a housewife is drawing water to cook, another housewife is bathing her children, children. a third user, a man, is bathing, washing his cow, and a fourth was a gentleman washing his bottom, all in the same pond. So my suggestion is to stop all such invasive act use of the pond, as, our, as, as we heard in the previous speech, through local management policies, through local management committees, build bathing huts alongside each pond, avoid invasive use, provide space for washing clothes, for washing uh, animals, or washing vehicles, for personal bathing, all that. There has to be, if, if possible, I doubt it if it will be possible fully from the beginning, 
Each and every community, each and every person should have the eligibility to use that. But immediately, I mean, in the immediate future, it will meet with a lot of resistance. Uh, how far the RSS one well, one burial ground, one temple program is successful, I don't know. But it is moving forward and this can also move forward. These two programs can be financed by funds raised through quasi-currency bonds. All this I'm talking about is, if the government needs to adopt this method, what are the avenues it can use to deploy that funds for QP results? In economics, there's a saying, I'm an economist and economic students may have heard of helicopter money. This is not helicopter money, this is actually people's will. Of course, you know what I mean. Deployment issue and deployment of funds need to be more carefully crafted with insight and foresight. Thank you all for patient hearing, requesting all of you to push the massive chariot that is India forward one, each one his bit. And this is one, one area where we can contribute positively. Now I'll come to answer this question. Sir, thank you very much for this wonderful lecture. Uh, no one here has, I think, any problems with your identification of projects or the methodology which you have delineated for uh, their application. But the basic question is of a temple property being taken over by the government, though you have said that it will not be touched, it will not be affected. But we know that the, how the constitution of India Though it says, as per 25, Article 25 and 26, how it has been interpreted or misinterpreted over time. And in many states, the temple, uh, what do you call the funds, even the hundi money is taken away by the government. And it is being utilized in wanted, unwanted projects by the so-called party people for their own benefit. How can the temple property of Padmanabha Swami or any other temple or any church or any mosque, why should it be taken over by the government at all? And how can we guarantee the safety and security of this, whatever are the oh, Good question. Okay. Of this funds. Very important. Once it goes to the government hand. Yeah. Very important. First of all. Thank you. First of all, personally, I have shifted focus from Temple wealth to government raising QCBs through budget. Secondly, even if we talk of the temple wealth QCB program, what I have suggested to the government is to make it voluntary. It should be the discretion of the temple to participate in it or not, of each temple. Thirdly, this program will Keep the temple wealth secure and safe. It will actually avoid the danger of political interference and misuse. How I will explain to you. Government is not taking over the wealth. It, if to use Patmavasami as a temple, I mean as an example, if we implement it there, the wealth remains where it is, in the same form as it is in the same ownership as it is, even in the same use as it is being used now. 
absolutely no change. Now, Patraswami Temple has a wealth of 1,30 crore rupees. Reserve Bank effectively, all that it does is give Patraswami Temple a certificate to that effect. Okay, in batches of 100 crores, one, one piece of paper, 100 crores. Patraswami Temple takes it to a bank, different banks, say 10,000 crores into 13 banks, it deposits. Now, the bank has got nothing to do with that gold. I go and deposit, you go and deposit one lakh rupees in a bank. The bank has nothing on your assets. You're giving it money. Okay. Bank lends to borrowers based on these funds, QCB loans, or rather loans based on QCB. Now, if, now, if a loan goes, goes bad, bank will not turn to its depositors and say, our loan has become NPA, irrecoverable, you are going to lose your deposit. It cannot say that. No bank says that. It is not in the law. Therefore, if this, the loans based on this go bad, the depositor is absolutely free, safe. At most, bank may say, we will not be able to give you interest anymore because the borrower is not giving us money. Okay, you give back my ECB, that is the deposit receipt, cancel it and give it back. This canceled deposit, is, deposit receipt is given to RBA. The arrangement is stopped. The wealth remains where it is, as it is. Nothing happens to it, whatever. The wealth of temples, important temples, is part of the system. It will always be, there will be a sanctity attached to it, which will prevent interference and misuse. Because the system demands that once it is tied to this, the 130, 1 crore 30 lakh, 1 lakh 30 crore ECBs, sorry, QCB is given to Patmanavasamit Temple on the basis of this wealth, then it is the lookout of the Government of India and RBA and the temple to ensure that the wealth remains there. And the income that is received on this 3,000 or 3,500 crores a year will enable the best world-class protection. Therefore, there will be no pilferage, no misuse. In fact, this is a way to protect the rights of the temples and make them the owners of their income, or rather the custodians of their own income, and prevent the government from, state governments from interfering, misusing. That is my proposal. Um, excuse me, sir. Yes. Um, it's a very good idea, the QCBs, and uh, I actually have two questions. One is, uh, when you have approached the concerned ministry about this, what has the feedback been so far? Are they open to it? Is it something they think that can be done? Okay. That's one. The second one is actually an observation and a question, which is that Indians have a very emotional attachment with gold, as you're aware. 
Uh, and that's the reason why the gold bond scheme didn't sort of uh, move. And I personally know this because I wanted to take it at the time. My mother dissuaded me. She said, you know, it's not going to be safe because the general feeling of a citizen is not, it doesn't, he or she does not trust the government. So even with temples, it's the same thing. Temples are eventually run by individuals. A natural sort of mistrust with government is there all over the world. So then how do you think this sort of concept can, you know, pass a test and be accepted? So two questions. Okay. One is, has, how has it been received so far? And, yeah. and secondly, how do okay. you think? I can say that I have talked about it to almost everybody except Modiji. I talked to the number two persons. I talked to political leaders. I talked to top executives in RBA. I talked to IES people in finance ministry, IES people also. I talked to devotees. I talked to the royal family. In fact, I started after discussing with uh, the two princesses. Everybody says it's good, but everybody's afraid. And that fear and reluctance was expressed by one person in this one question, who will build the cat? Who will build the cat? It is good. It is good. But who will build the cat? And that cat is the fear that people have. Okay. Now, I told you I conducted a workshop, in, or rather my friends conducted a workshop in uh, May 2018. And the most serious discussion was about this particular topic. The reluctance, the two questions you have asked. And uh, Revolution and Iyengar of Indic Collective, which is an associate of Srijan Foundation. He was there. Then uh, two people from the Temple Protection Committee were there. They were very hostile to begin with. But towards the end, they became ardent supporters of the idea. And a unanimous resolution was passed supporting this, but keeping the temples out. The, the resolution is general. It does not say temple wealth. The general idea of monetizing ideal wealth. We unanimously support, recommend to President of India and Prime Minister, they printed it and sent it with their um, you know, signatures. There were only 14 people, and the discussion was very lively. It went on for two hours and 15 minutes. Okay. And the second part, it will be very much present, just as it is now. You can go to the uh, that equivalent of stock holding corporation, the common holding entity, which will have to have regional depots, collections, centers, and all that, or museums, or whatever. Just give your receipt. Take your money back. Take your gold back. That's all. Because the volume, total volume is massive, you're going to take 50 sovereigns out, will have no impact on it. Why it cannot be done against land owned by the church? Because the church owns so much like one lakh acres of land. Frankly, this is giving the power to print currency to temples. Right. And even though I'm a Christian, I don't want that power to, to be given to anybody other than certain select temples. There are so many risks in that. So if we have to generate like the liquidity for the economy, I think church owns almost one lakh acres of land. So we have something, let's say, thousands of crores of market value. Yeah. So to put it this way. For any other, like let's yeah. say, about boats and air. Yeah. To put it this way. 
I wouldn't like the church or any other community to have one lakh crore rupees in its hands to do what it wants to do with. You got the point. Interest income in itself will be in thousands of crores. This can be, this right can be given only to a few select temples. Have I convinced you? Uh, sir, uh, I have a couple of questions. Yeah. Uh, they may not be exactly related. Uh, see, sir, uh, one of the ways you said is that this is going to bring in like supposedly 10 lakh crore rupees into the economy and the banking system and then you can push push it onwards. Now, the thing is, uh, the SLR already is in the mid early 20s or to mid 20s. Why do I not? Because there's a set of series of questions I would like to ask. Why do we not just cut the SLR rate? And that itself releases money into the system, which can be onward transmitted to uh, the borrowers who need the money. Now, that is one of the questions. The other thing is, uh, if you are talking about money, that I take this and give you a certificate, you deposit it in a bank, you get one, two, three percent, whatever you get. Now, why do I not as a temple monetize my asset? Like there, like in the Padmanabha Swami case, there are certain coins, etc., which have historical value. Let's exclude them. But there is simply just gold lying around. Why do I not monetize it? Use that money. As a normal depositor, I can get 6, 7, 8% in a bank, in IFD. Why should I be satisfied with 3%? Why should I not go monetize it, have a negotiation with a bank, get much more money for myself and then use that? And also with respect to the, uh, the, cap, uh, the targeted uh, uh, lending program that you're talking about, we have had a history of that. The uh, priority sector uh, lending program has been a complete failure because uh, many of the banks do not ever meet their targets and they end up buying NABAD bonds. So why do you think that this kind of targeted uh, lending to whatever it may be for capital uh, projects is going to work? Because if I am giving you money for at 5% when corporates are uh, generally borrowing at 10 to 12, why would I not ju just jack up the cost of my project, take all the money and use extra money and... Uh, put it in the market that like many uh, prosperous farmers actually do with the uh, money that they get under PSL schemes. Okay. First of all, cutting SLR, the government or rather the RBI is doing its best. The SLR has certain obligations. It cannot be wished away. A certain minimum has to be kept and the government is always reworking that minimum half a point up or half a point down. So that option is exhausted. Even if it is possible, the cost of that money when it is lent to an infrastructure company and the term that it can afford is still the same, 8 to 9 percent interest, a maximum 10 or 12 years period. Costly currency bonds can give lower interest longer term, Okay, for the, which, which will ensure the success of long-term infrastructure projects. Now, I myself worked in a bank from 1978 to 1985, which I suppose was a golden period of private, this uh, private sector lending. Whatever be my personal convictions on the ethical ground and all that, I believe one of the best things that happened to the Indian economy was a nationalization of banks in 1969. And its effect can be summed up in one single instance. Yavatmal in 1969 was a small village of 600 houses. By 1979, it was a big town because Syndicate Bank was asked to open a branch there. Formerly, 
A bank would go there and open a branch as and when it saw fit, it would be profitable. After nationalization, bank said, go there, open a branch. Syndicate, Teresa Bank said. Now, apart from the availability of banking services, expanding the availability of banking services all over India, nationalization also imposed priority sector lending. And just as happened in Yavatmal, it happened all across the country. In agriculture, small trading, I mean, small-scale small industry, transport, and a small business. It cannot be denied. As I said in my, uh, when I said earlier, it has lost some of its effectiveness now. It can be restored. And to prevent misuse, that's your core point. The government has to have a firm policy. And most of the funds will be diverted not into small projects, but in medium and large projects which need these kind of funds. Therefore, the number of accounts will be low and the monitoring can be stricter. Um, first of all, sir, I really like this scheme of yours. Uh, but I have a set of questions, but I'll ask a few of them only. Uh, the first thing is that you just mentioned that uh, it will be the responsibility of RBI and the government that the temple assets are secure and nothing happens to them even in the case of crisis. But in theory, there has to be some physical asset that has to bear the risk if there are some certain crises, like in the case of, even in the case of gold in RBI, uh, in some ex extreme cases of crisis. In theory, what will you demarcate as uh, something to be bearing the risk if there is an extreme case? One moment. I think I, I did not ask one part of your question that is about selling the gold and depositing at 8% interest, etc. As I said earlier, the scheme is purely voluntary. A temple can or cannot participate. Even when it participates, it can choose to deposit what or, I mean, it can, what, what portion of its items or what part, part of its list it can give. Some it can sell, some it can keep forever. It's <coughs> flexible and voluntary. It yeah. should be. But, but really the question I think is why not go for a 6% and whatever, correct? Yeah. And why would you go for a 3% yeah. So since the scheme is voluntary and some part of it can, if it, even if, if, if a temple joins, it can set apart some part of its wealth. That part, which is not involved in QCB, that part of gold it can decide to sell if it wants to. Uh, as a follow-up, does it not bring out the major flaw that is uh, the problem the problem that is there in the Indian state like Tirupati we all know has a lot of money lying around but the the TTD that is the board uh, just keeps it lying around and whatever money that they are making otherwise from interest or whatever uh, they are using it for whatever purposes that the government is telling them to do now does this not feed into the question that why should not temples be independent and do whatever they want to do with the money that the devotees are giving and where the, the deity itself is the owner of all the assets, I do not understand where the government came into the picture and started deciding where the money will go. Why not the board hire, hire its own people who will just look after management of the funds that the, the, the devotees are giving? Like any uh, big university in the United States has an endowment fund that it manages on its own and does whatever it wants to do with the money. Then why not the temples have that uh, freedom and have to go for these kinds of schemes in the first place? Let me do whatever I want to do with my money. Okay. 
that is an issue I cannot mention, uh, discuss. The, 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 the right of temples to manage their own property and all. I am not able to comment on that. Personally, my preference would be that each temple should be able to manage its own affairs. Secondly, about managing the wealth it has. Whether it is in government hands, whether it is controlled by the government or in private hands, misuse and mismanagement and misappropriation cannot be wished away. It will happen. Thirdly, if such a scheme is in operation, there will be more accountability and more supervision. Therefore, Timberwealth is likely to be safer. Fourth, take the case of Patmanavasami Temple. There is no way it can liquidate those assets because each gram of gold is worth there not 2,500 rupees but 25,000 rupees of its historic value, aesthetic value, sentimental value. Therefore, the only way it can earn money on that asset. Right now, it is a liability because 40 crore rupees have to be spent at least to keep it, in, keep it safely. Where does that money come from? It does not have that money. The state government is giving that money. And the system, the security system is not really foolproof. If a foolproof system has to be made, I think it will cost about, annual cost will be about 300 crores. So right now it is a liability. We can convert it to an asset, gaining an income of 3,000 crores, leaving a surplus of 2,700 crores a year, which can be used for good things. I forgot your question. Uh, I was asking on paper what will be the thing that will have to bear the risk if there is some extreme case of crisis? There will be no risk on the temple. I am again illustrating with the case of Patnavasami temple. Let us say the economy crashes. All this paper is torn up. Patnavasami remains like this. That's all. He has his gold. It remains there. And in this, you, I, I have a part answer to your question about universities and all. There's a principle of trust. You know, the temple trustees are actually trustees on behalf of the deity. And it, the deity is legally a minor. Anyway, he cannot do things for himself. A trustee's paramount responsibility is to put the trust assets to best use. That cannot be denied. And in case of private parties who are actually, uh, who are, who we are selecting to release these bonds, how will they cover the risk? Because in case of temple, we can have this thing that uh, the temple asset will not be uh, put at risk. But in case of private parties, there has to be something. You see, we deposit money in banks. Okay. Now, NPS occur. Banks capital erodes. Nobody says we will not return deposits. Deposits are safe, supposed to be safe. Only up to one lakh. Yes. Only up to one lakh. But that is the legal. Even otherwise, practically, a depositor's money, the moment bank says is not safe, deposits will not come. Therefore, the theory... Many depositors were caught in this bank. PMC. 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 That's a different, entirely different thing. That's an entirely different thing. It's a crime. It's just like robbers breaking into your home and running away with crores of... Oh, I mean, if you keep crores at home. Oh. Why do you want to give them more money? You know, Malia is one example. You get a list of lakhs of crores of NPAs. All the people have taken political.
plowed and taken money from the banks yeah. and they are all NPA. So you say that uh, temple money will go back to the temple. Yeah. But what about, uh, where will the bank finance the money? The government is giving them now. They are printing currency or whatever they are doing. How are they fine? It's our depositors' money which the bank lends to people. So when all these NPAs are there, where, where does the money come from? Now, NPAs are about, right now, about 6%. Yeah, 10 crores. 6% of the total bank funds. Let us look at the 94%. That works well. I don't think this because of Unofficial figures are very high. Even, even if we accept that the figures are first, it cannot be as high as China's was about 10 years back. It was 50%. I I'm sorry to say you're talking of roads and development. It's perfect. It's very ideal in a perfect world. But India, there is so much corruption. You will get horrible roads in three months. They are corroded. Ma'am. What is the use? <laughs> Ma'am, we have to transform India. Yes, and Modiji has been doing that over the past six years, and there is much more to be done. If he, if no, in, the roads are still getting corroded. In our area, in three months, they get destroyed. Till today. Yes, but we need to change, we need to improve, and we have to think of different ways to do that. Uh, I'm asking, uh, like, uh, in 2000, a uh, year before this election, uh. when there was no confidence motion from uh, N. Chandra Babu Naidu, Modi himself declared that NPAs were not 38%, it was 82%. And you are saying today it is 6%. I have not heard of that 82% <laughs> mentioned no, from NPA, Modi so no, far. I, it was very clear statement in the Lok Sabha ah. that NPAs in 2014 were not 37% or 38%, it was 82%. 2014. And when government was ah. asked to bring the white paper, ah. Modi said, uh, if I would have bought that white paper, then all the FDIs and everybody would have run away from here. Okay. So, 6% uh, figure today uh, is uh, very unrealistic, you know. It is okay. The official figures that came out, the maximum was 12%. And almost half of it has been recovered. That is my understanding. Even the official figures of 12% may have been fudged a bit. It could have been 18 or 20%. Possible. But... There is always the green part of it. The, the drying part will dry out. The green part will have new shoots. We have to think of improving ourselves, think of a brighter future, not rest on, I mean, good people rest on past laurels. We, we rest on past misery. Let us not do that. And uh, my question is like when you are talking about uh, Padmanabha Swami Temple, like why we should exclude uh, churches with the real estate they are holding. Okay. Like how can we say, like it is great on your part to say that we don't want this thing to be in other community. Okay. But the question will definitely come, why we cannot be trusted. Let me answer that. Let, let me answer that. So part of the reason, I'll, I'll, anyway, this is on record, I cannot avoid it. It will not be safe for the certain communities to have this money, this additional income. That is one fact. For certain communities to have this additional income, which can be in thousands of crores, it is not safe. That is point number one. Two, there is an economic theory behind it. Land is a basic economic resource. We are thinking of monetizing savings. Gold, which has come to Sri Padmanabha Swami Temple, or in our homes is savings. 
which remain idle. Savings is capital. Capital cannot be made idle. So the entire proposition is about activating idle capital. Land does not fall into that economic classification. Third thing, if parliament decides, churches also should participate in it. I have no argument against that. It is for the parliament to decide. But sir, is it also because that uh, churches have a central control from Rome and if they have this authority to print money and uh, uh, get an interest for that, uh, I'm, I think it might be a little politically incorrect, but is it also one of these reasons? I have absolutely not thought of that. First. Second, I was a finance council member of our archdiocese for three terms. And I am very much against the present policies. And I am one who argues that the control of the property should be taken away from whoever it is with now and given to the people. So, this particular aspect is not an element in this at all. I have two questions. One of the questions was related to what he just asked. Why have? Uh, why do you want to exempt other religions? And you do say that it's dangerous if that kind of money comes in. But uh, the spin-off to that question is that churches, mosques are not really involved in nation building. Are they really buying any bonds? Is there involvement? Because the plan you have with QCBs is that the funds will be deployed in national projects, whether it is roadways, ports, whatever. So how are then minority religions? They are not participating. They control their wealth. They've got everything. Government can't touch any of their wealth, unlike Hindu. So this is linked to the free art temples uh, movement, basically, if you want. So is it is it going to disadvantage the Hindu temple? You say no, but that's one question. Second question is actually something which is more timely. Your scheme actually has value, this I believe, is because the current government has a lot of trust among people. If we have to hop back to the UPA, to UPA 1 and 2 eras, and the kind of corruption that we people saw. There is no trust. So if there is a government change, and we hope not, but you know, this is a democracy, if something happens, then this kind of control, with this kind of, you know, huge portion of wealth, how can it be saved? Because they were playing around with the banks and that's how we saw the scams, forcing those loans, which were not productive. So how then can... In the case of temples, the big temples, the asset remains where it is as it is, in their control. Therefore, if the political situation changes and the temple, Patnavasami temple or Tripathi temple feels that it is not, uh, they don't want to participate in it, they can just withdraw. All these factors have to be considered by parliament, discussed and incorporated into an act. We should protect the temples, we should protect the public, we should protect all institutions. And the first question, you know, there's a word, categoria. Category, you know, somebody denied uh, that categorically. Often it is mis it is a misuse. Most people, when they deny something, the press says they denied it categorically, but there may not be any category in it. Category, you know the meaning of the word. You know the meaning of the word. Category, deny with accusations. Okay. Now, don't take me badly. Please treat it in good spirit. If Patmanabha Swami Temple's gold was, had actually come into the churches of Kerala, there would have been so many more colleges and hospitals and whatnot. So, we, I cannot answer for Muslim community. I can answer for the Syrian Catholic community of which I am a part, 
We are actually very much part of this nation and we do the very best in nation building. We, we, we involve in it very actively. I mean, through bonds or that sort of thing. Not through bonds. We spend our money in developing the nation through establishing colleges, schools. But those are not counted as non-profit and there are benefits which come in there. What I'm saying is the general perception is that minority religions, especially Muslims and Christians, I'm being very frank with mm. because you are being frank yourself, are not really involved in nation building. So we have one more sort of, you know, See, like this. Okay. And again, like you said, then it comes to, and I understand what you mean when you said if, you, if churches are going to put that money, they're going to get like so many thousands of crores and that's not good, you say. And if I could ask you again, sir, why is it not good? Do you feel that then there will be more conversion? More yeah, yeah, yeah. I did not say church. I did not, I did say certain communities okay. who are, I don't want to reveal my personal feelings. Okay. Now talking about church, when the word church is used, usually it is supposed to indicate the Catholic church which forms about 50 or 60 percent of the Christian population in the world. But there are about 44,000 churches now other than the Catholic church and each of them is a small-scale industry which manufactures souls, manufactures salvation for a fee. They get a, uh, you know, when I was in bank, I have seen this, dollar checks coming every day, five or ten uh, checks come. You know, lakhs and lakhs of rupees. I'm talking about 1979, lakhs and lakhs of rupees. And every 25th to 30th, the one man's duty in that branch, where I went to supervise for one month, is to send out mail orders, mail transfers, to about 400 plus pastors in various parts of the country. And, and, and as our earlier speaker said, even subnational identities being created and promoted, like Tamil, Sikh, Khalistani, all this is, these are all mischief making. These are all mischief making. Therefore, confine our present proposal to the most loyal and the most rightful, the temples. Uh, so. One more thing: nation building is not merely buying bonds. Nation building can be done. The same effect as buying bonds can be done by depositing money in banks. Yes, we have money in banks, but not much. Why? Because this money that we receive is being sent out not to pastors. I'm speaking of my community. Not to, not to pastors to, to convert, but as hospitals, schools, which do not bring benefit. We actually, after all this, we keep paying out of our pocket every household the, the prior Vigar says, yeah, this is your allocation this month or this year, you have to bring so much money. And how does it go out? I once sat, sat before our Vigar discussing something. His left drawer was open. I, I spent about one hour there. And during our discussion, several people came. They would engage him only for one or two minutes. Some people gave him money. He put in this, this is half open. He put in this drawer. Some people wanted money for a hospital expense, for paying fee to a child. So this is coming in, going out, coming in, going out. I was very proud of that. That's me. That's the way, that's the way we use money. If you search for such a treasure, it will not be there in any church because our treasure are our people and our schools and hospitals and our orphanages Build people.
during this discourse i personally i'm not being concerned about your religious background or anything i'm just looking at this scheme uh, as something that we can utilize for nation building and not something coming from a christian person who is a practicing christian uh, just that these questions are actually very pertinent and we are really very considered uh, cons- uh, concerned about everything that since the government is having all the control on temples but again this comes back to the same question who will represent the temples we have to come back to the same question that first we need to free the temples and let them have their own choice if they want to come into this scheme or not it's voluntary it should be voluntary but but they are not free right now sir Pardon? they cannot make their own decisions right now because ttd or padmanabha swami temple or even sabrimala in this case sabrimala board has actually acted absolutely against their devotees because it's government control now we have a parliament that can set things right this thing has to be taken up through by parliament but only after temples are free this this absolutely uh, i mean beautiful scheme can be implemented temples will cooperate mm-hmm. administrative committee members everybody says it's good even this is a uh, i mean a lot of hindus say this that a lot of money is lying in a temple and, and not being utilized uh but although they do not understand the intricacies behind all this system and how much is the risk behind that so that's why all people are so concerned if this scheme will actually work or not this is the only concern people have here and also are you going to uh, include gurudwaras as well in this or they do not have uh, enough of idle money that could be gurudwaras are included okay yeah they should be included thank you very much, very much.